Well, this, this morning, uh, the title of my message is Swamp Boots. <laughs> Swamp Boots. <laughs> so we, we said, what on earth is pastor stuck on now? So anyhow, uh, I always, when I talk about Swamp Boots and Muck Boots, that's a t- trademark name, so we won't use that as a title. But um, it's the... the um, Ucky, ucky, thick, muddy, swampy, gooey, step in, can't pull your food out, food out. Can't pull your foot out and you leave your boots behind. Anybody ever been there? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I've done that. And, and you, whenever you pull it out and you step forward with your sock, you know that your boot is not on there anymore. <laughs> What's that? You're coming back with a shovel to get your boots, yeah. Well, and one of the, the psalm that this is located in is um, in Psalm 12, but we're not going to go there just yet. We're going to go to Psalm 2, excuse me, Psalm, Proverbs. Proverbs, I got you really confused there, Terry. He got his heart jumping. Pastor gave me the wrong, <laughs> it starts with a P, you know. So anyhow, it's in Proverbs 12 where this uh, uh, excuse me, Proverbs chapter 12 is where the swamp boot comes in, but Proverbs chapter 2 is where I'm going to start. All right, so when we think of having secure footing, secure footing, and I, I, I wish I could find this um, tape or this, um, I don't know what it was on some animal planet or whatever, there were these mountain goats, you know, the big white mountain goats, and they were on top of this huge cliff or so on, and, and they were at the edge of it, and about 15 yards across was the other cliff. And, you know, and then went straight down for a long ways. And this guy had the camera, and he's, he has it on these mountain goats. And they, the first one jumps off. And it jumps over, down, and back, and back, and back to the bottom. And they all just followed. And I thought, whoa. I've never, I only ever saw that once, and I didn't, wasn't dreaming. But uh, they, they were able to trust their footing in such a way that they were able to literally jump off a cliff. They were able to jump off a side of a mountain, and there was another mountain there, of course, and there's this deep ravine, and they just jumped over and back and over and back. And I don't know, they went back about five or six times, so it was not like this was, you know, once over and back and you're down. This was a long way down, and then they just were like in a, a, a parade following each other down. The little ones at the end, they were just doing the same thing as the adults were. And... <clears throat> often thought of that in a sense, you'd really have to be secure in your thinking, in your ability to jump off a cliff, to jump off the edge of a mountain. Well, in our life, we have sure footing because of our faith and because of our understanding of of God and of God's word. It is a very important part of who we are, a very important part of our life is the word of God. And we are called upon by God to allow this word to settle in our hearts, that it is to affect our decisions. 
It is to affect how we speak, what we do, and even what we are expecting to come into our life. And we would never believe that these mountain goats, I would never have believed that these mountain goats could do such a thing. But they live in the mountains. They live in these high cliffs and high areas. And to them, this is, you know, this is home. <laughs> to other animals and to humans, you know, you got to rope and tie yourself in and, you know, you're just constantly fighting about, about not falling. But to them, this is where they live. And in our life, I think we have to have an understanding that <clears throat> God always goes before us. And that he is with us and he is before us. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a, a will. And that he knows where we're going. He knows what's coming in our life. And so he's preparing us to go to those places that perhaps we're not familiar with. That he has a confidence in us to secure us in our faith. That we will have enough faith to believe that if God says to jump... He has, he has enough faith in us and we have enough faith in him that we're going to know what to do. Do you think, I was wondering, did that, did that mountain goat plan the, plan the route? <laughs> he looks down and says, well, we can jump down there and then jump back. And, you know, yeah, it's doable. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was taught to the, that animal by its parents. I don't know. But in our life, we are able to Jump when it says jump, and we understand that we, we are, we're going to do something in the move. That it's not just going to be jump off and see what happens. It's going to be being able to deal with where we're at and how we handle the situation. And I believe that God is the one who gives to us the insight and gives to us the power to live that type of faith in our daily life, no matter what situation presents itself. So we're able to be quick thinkers on our feet, being able to land on your feet, you know that expression, throw a cat in the air, it'll generally land on its feet, unless you grab it by the tail and swing it up in the air, you know, I've never done that, but I just thought I'd tell you in case that happens, you know, I didn't do that, you thought I did it, well I can't say I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I would have been very little, and me and cats never got along, so. What's that there? Oh, in the barn. This is in the barn on the farm, you know. And, but anyhow, we won't go there. So anyhow, Proverbs chapter 2 is, is a, as you read the book of Proverbs, I always, I always remember Billy Graham talking about how that in his devotionals every day, he would read a psalm and he would read one chapter in the book of Proverbs. And that, those two books anchored his reading every day for his other scriptures that he would read throughout, throughout the Bible. And they, they offer to us insight into life, um, the, the writer of the Psalms. And the writer of the Proverbs, if you notice, the, writer, the, the Proverbs are generally brief, one, two verses. They run almost in a, in a poet, poetic form at times. And people can't, couldn't read, so they could memorize these things. So they were a way of memorizing how that you were going to respond and how that you were going to teach your children. The scripture tells us to teach our children so that they would know what God is saying and they would know the precepts upon which to build their life. And so the Proverbs were ways that we could learn 
many things that we couldn't sit down and teach one another every day. So, Proverbs chapter 2. Good friend, take to heart what I am telling you. Collect my counsel and guard them with your life. So, first of all, he starts by collect. Now, some people like to collect, what is it, stuff? <laughs> and I'm not meaning you're a hoarder. Hoarder, hoarders are people who just collect everything, and everything is of, of value, and they just can't get away. They just can't give anything up. So if you watch hoarders on TV, then you know what that is, because I'm sure none of you are like that. <clears throat> but, uh, <laughs> but there are individuals who collect things. Some collect dolls. Some collect um, coins and stamps and, you know, cars. I mean, there's just different things that we could collect. But the writer of the Proverbs says, collect my counsel. Okay, so as we read the, the scriptures and we read the book of Proverbs, we are told to collect this wise counsel that, that God has given to and inspired the, the writer here to tell us some specific things that we need to collect in our thoughts and in our life as we go about our daily lives. Collect my counsel, and then he says, guard them with your life. You know, uh, Paul talks about that we are to garrison our heart and mind. Guard your heart and mind. What you think, what you perceive. You know, if there are things that are lovely, true, of a good report. Think on these things. That we are to guard our hearts and minds. And the word guard means garrison. So we're like to put a garrison of soldiers around our head. <laughs> uh, Paul talks about the helmet of salvation. It is a protection for our head. So... The uh, one time, one guy said, uh, you can't stop birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> we'll go on from there. But uh, the idea is with our thoughts. You know, some thoughts that we have don't originate with us. Did you know that? There's some thoughts that you have that just aren't who you are. They're just not part of your character. It's like, you wonder, where on earth did that come from? Well, it didn't come from earth. <laughs> Generally, the evil one who, you know, dumps those thoughts and tries to put the trash in your head, don't take it. You know, if someone came to your house and there was a garbage truck and he wanted to open the back of the truck and dump the whole garbage thing in your lawn, I think you'd be out there saying, no, 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 no. Don't put that in my lawn. Well, the same thing is when the evil puts thoughts in your head that are garbage, you no, 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 don't put that in my head because I know that's not me and I know that's not God and so I don't want it in my head. Guard your heart and your mind. And you, in, the, in Proverbs, he says, guard them with your life. He understands that our very life depends on this. This is a life and death situation. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. <laughs> Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you see, what goes into our head and into our minds is very important, and we need to uh, put some filters on the mind and the heart and the things that we allow into our minds and what we listen to because they can be very destructive, and we need to pay attention because we are responsible. I am responsible for my thoughts, what I allow in and what I don't. 
See, we can, we can make decisions about what we look at and what we don't look at. And whenever we see that God is with us, we are to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that he is the one who is pleased with our hearts and our minds. He is the one who is the wise counsel. He is the one who gives to us the strength to be the child of God that he wants us to be. And he is the one who plans our future. <laughs> he plans a path for us. There was this couple. This is a joke, all right? I had to put a joke there. I don't know if I told this before or not. There's this couple. They both were um, celebrating their 60th birthday. And so um, while they're celebrating, you know, they had a party for both of them. And while they're celebrating their birthday, the angel pops up and says, hey, you, you guys, I want a uh, lady. I, you'll both get one wish. Lady says, well, you know, I've always wanted to travel all over the world. So poof, she's got all these tickets. And the guy says, well, you know, <laughs> I've kind of always wanted to be married to someone 30 years my younger. Mm -hmm. Poof, he's 90. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> so, I don't know what that has to do with my sermon, but anyhow... Uh, collect my counsel and guard them with your life. Tune, tune your ears to the world of wisdom. And this is, this is important. Wisdom is an understanding whereby we have a, uh, having experiences and knowledge and good judgment. Wisdom is the ability to have good judgment. There, you know, it's important that we pay attention to what is wise Wise in our understanding to see things not only for what they are, but where they can go. There are very few people who can see how all these things fit together. But God, the James says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally. It is God's desire to impart to us, his child, wisdom. And the wisdom, there, now there's a word of wisdom, which is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And a word of wisdom is a nugget of truth that we could never know or figure out. And the word of God, the Holy Spirit, drops it into our mind and heart as to this is how to apply the knowledge or the situation that you are in. That's a word of wisdom. But this is wisdom as in Solomon's wisdom. A wisdom to understand and to perceive and to apply truths and to put things together that you just normally don't see. But you have to, it says here, tune your ears to the world of wisdom. So wisdom is something that you hear, you understand, and you're able to interpret. So God is giving to us this wisdom, insight, knowing what is, the, what is happening and how things work. <laughs> so it's just how you're going to put things together and how it's going. So the word of wisdom is a certain concept. Word of knowledge, I always do. Knowledge is a, a noun, person, place, or thing. Facts in the mind of God. So there are certain facts in the mind of God. God gives us a word of knowledge. He gives us facts that we are able to apply to truth. The application is the wisdom, making that, making that transition to how to do it. So the writer here is telling us that, remember now, we're to collect the counsel that God is giving to us, and he is saying, tune your ears 
to the world of wisdom. So we are able to hear things and not only just hear what is going on, but hear the application of it, even though the application isn't being said. <laughs> we kind of have that insight to how to do that. That's right. If you make insight your priority and won't take no for an answer. So if understanding, our heart is seeking and listening for understanding, which is insight, and that we're wanting insight as a priority, God is saying that he will give to us an insight. Now, <laughs> there, are so, there are some people who are just brilliant, but they can't tie their shoes. <laughs> you know, they just, just is something they just never took the time to understand. We had a professor in, in school who was, he was brilliant. I mean, he was just, abs I mean, he was off the charts brilliant. But you never knew what he was going to do. I mean, you know, he, you know he, he'd be lucky, you know, he'd come in with his shirt untucked and his shoes, you know, not tied. And, and then, you know, he'd get up there and I said, what on earth is this guy? And he would start. And it was like, my gosh. <laughs> he, he was, you know, um, he was an expert in the books of Revelation and Daniel. And he knew prophetic things backward and forward in the history of Israel. And, you know, he could just quote you anything going. It's like this guy, his mind just never stopped. And, um, but he was, I remember one day he was preaching. And he, I mean, he would just take off in his preaching. And he had false teeth and they went out from his mouth. He grabbed them, shoved them back in, and never missed a beat. He was coordinated. <laughs> but the wisdom that he had, the insight that he had into the scriptures and into the end times, into the present day, it's still, it's still with you today. You know, the things that I'll talk about on Wednesday night in the book of Revelation, some of that or much of it will be from what this, this individual was the speaker of. So, and he doesn't say that whenever we're, making insight our priority, we don't give up. When something doesn't work, it isn't that it doesn't work, it's just that we haven't found how it works. What was it, Edison, was it 1,800 times he tried to find out how a light bulb worked? And people ask him, he says, well, you know, you've tried this thousands of times and nothing works. He says, no, 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 no. I know thousands of ways that it don't work, but I know th I, I'm only looking for one way that it will work. So these scientists and so on were people who would not give up on the idea and on what there was, there was a light <laughs> that he had in mind that, a, that he could create with a light bulb with electricity, and he experimented, you know, with the kite and the key, and let's go out in the thunderstorm and see what lightning does. If you want personal instruction on that, you get uh, golf clubs and run around in a lightning storm. No, don't do that. <laughs> because you may be connected. All right, so search for it like a prospector. So we're looking at wisdom, and we find that it is something that we are to prospect for, like a miner. A prospector who's panning for gold, like an adventurer on a treasure hunt. You know, you often hear of people who had gold fever. 
that they would sell everything and leave everything and go to the gold fields looking for, looking for gold and how that, you know, what is it, 98% of them never found anything, but it didn't stop them from having the fever. Well, in the treasure hunt that we're, we're looking for the wisdom, it is a, it is a treasure hunt that we know, and, and, and the scripture says that it's like a pearl, you know, of great price. It's a treasure hidden in the field, and we'll buy the whole field just to have the treasure. And we know the value of what we're looking for. And the value of God's insight, the value of God's wisdom, is like a miner who is digging for it in, in a mine, or a person who is panning for, for gold. Believe me, before you know it, the fear of God will be yours. <laughs> before you know it, a reverential understanding of God. You know, fear of the Lord has not, don't, don't shoot me, no, that's not what it is. Fear of the Lord is a reverential awe. Wow, <laughs> I, I didn't know I could do that. The Spirit makes that real to you. The, and as you're studying the Scriptures, it is a reverential understanding. Whenever we say it's not that we love God, but that He loved us. I mean, to come to that understanding in our hearts and minds is a, an aha moment. Oh, wow, God is with me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. That there is this comfort in knowing that I am safe in the arms of my Father. There's, you know, I was with you know, hundreds of people when they die. And there was just something about coming to that point of knowing that you were safe. <laughs> that they would come to know that they were safe. And then it was okay to go home. <laughs> and you don't know how you're going to be until you get there. But there is this understanding of security that we have in Christ. The, the, you know, um, Psalmist says, though the mountains crumble, it's like an earthquake. <laughs> you know, he's speaking, though the mountains crumble around me, you know, and he's finding himself secure in God, that we have, no matter what's going on around us, we have this security in knowing that I am safe and, you know, it's just Jesus in the boat. <laughs> and the disciples had to wake him up. It's Paul in the, the storm, and you know, the, you know, the, the boat's going to sink, but don't worry, everybody's going to be saved. It's that type of security that we have in Christ, that it, it, it's an aha moment, in which, wow, wow, God's taking care of me. Wow, it's okay. Whenever you pray for someone and you know, they have a problem and they're going to go to surgery and they're going to have this and you just pray and you just know that it's okay. <laughs> it's just okay. They know that they're okay. Um, <laughs> I think Lois Walker still remembers that time in which this was 20 years ago maybe that went in the room. Pardon? More than that. But anyhow, it was when they first moved back to this area. And I walked into the room, and, you know, she's very anxious about the surgery that she's about to have. Um, was it cancer? Yeah, it was her cancer surgery. And um, I remember being there, and, and Dr. Fierge was the doctor who operated on her. 
But um, I remember standing there and praying with her. And, and, you know, you just have this sense of peace that it's, it's all okay. And I said, I want you to know. Now, I don't tell this to everybody, but I want you to know God has said it's going to be okay. And there was such a peace that came over her at that moment that she's never forgotten it. And it is okay. She's still here. And there was another, another lady not too long ago was going to Pittsburgh for surgery. And I called, and they were in the, in the car, and, and I'm praying with them, and just, you know, you, you sense that God thing. And they start crying on the other end of the phone as you're praying, and it's like, that's a God moment. And in the recovery, it's been something that has been an anchor for that individual to go back to that moment in time in which someone prayed for her, and she sensed the presence of God, and it was okay. And although there has been complications and things, still goes back to that, it's okay. And you see, this is the wisdom that we search for, that only God can drop that into our hearts and minds. It's it's how God speaks to us, and we, we guard these things, we guard these truths, we guard these experiences, knowing that God has a purpose for those experiences and has a purpose for the things for which we have been praying. It's that moment in which God touches our life in a way that it's kind of like it's okay. That's the wisdom of God that is applying that experience to our life. <laughs> I'm a, it's, a, it's all right. And I, I remember the lady sitting on the edge of the bed, and I, I remember our first experience with her was in hospice, and she didn't want to have any preachers in her to <laughs> come and see her. She didn't want preachers. She didn't like preachers, and she didn't want any preachers visiting her. So I went to see her. <laughs> yeah, those are, your best, those are your best ones, you know. And, and what you do is you don't be a preacher. <laughs> you just be you and go in and talk to them, say hello and whatever, and you know, ask them how they're doing and what's going on, need anything, and then you walk out. After about three or four visits, she said, somebody told me you're a preacher. <laughs> I says, yeah, I am. She goes, well, you don't act like one. <laughs> and so, and I said, well, you know, what's a preacher supposed to do? You know, and she went through her whole liturgy of the people that she had run into who were preachers, and I wouldn't have wanted them to come see me either. <laughs> but after a while, She'd ask me, well, you should pray for me. (laughs) And so I'd pray for her. And she went from hospice, she went to a a care facility. And she was sitting on the edge of the bed one day, and I walked in. She says, you know, I just feel a darkness in my soul. She said, could you you help me? (laughs) I said, yeah. I said, what we have to do what we need to do is ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins and take away the darkness. And so we prayed and talked about it and took away the darkness. Jesus did. And she was at peace. <laughs> you see, the wisdom of God is the application of truth to where we are at. Often we, see, we think of 
things going a certain direction. In order for this to happen, this is what has to happen. We, we put structure to how God is going to move in everyone's life, and he's going to do it the same way. But the challenge is God is going to do something, maybe the same thing in everybody's life. He's going to do the same thing, but he's going to do it from a different perspective and in a different way. And our life isn't about cookie cutter. <laughs> It isn't the same. My life is not the same as yours, and your ministry is not the same as mine. And how we approach life and how we think about all these things, it's not the same. But God is going to do this, uh, take us to the same point. That's the wisdom of God coming to a fulfillment in which we don't limit God because of my, gran my, my grandmother was a preacher, <laughs> and... Uh, my dad was, mom were founders of the church and board members, and I don't want board members like my dad. But anyhow, <laughs> but we have all these things, and we could set it out. We could be this, and this is how it's supposed to be. But God, isn't, God doesn't have to do the same thing in the same way. He opens blinded eyes. <laughs> you try spitting on the ground, making mud, and wiping it in somebody's eyes. See what happens to you. <laughs> Now go wash it off. You see, God does things differently because he doesn't set up a pattern. And the wisdom of his word and the wisdom of our understanding is the application of divine principles and divine truth to where we live. It's school. You know, math, I don't know, I'm not much of a mathematician. But my nephews, they're brilliant in math. They're just off the charts brilliant in math. But you see, God is a mathematician. <laughs> Look at the universe. Everything adds up. Everything is in balance. The earth turns so much on a, on a balance that every so many years the clocks have to be adjusted to how the earth turns because it is so precise. It is so much in balance and the, and the, the moon and its spinning around the earth, you know, all those, and, you know, just getting two objects in place. But think about the whole universe, not only our solar system, but all the solar systems out there, as far as you see with the, the stars, they're all in balance. God's a mathematician. He understands how things add up. He's an historian. History. Look at the nation of Israel. God is a scientist. <laughs> he has it all worked out. You see, search for wisdom like a prospector panning for gold, like an adventurer on a treasure hunt. Believe me, before you know it, fear of God will be yours. A reverential understanding of God will break into your hearts and minds. You know, I think one of the greatest things is for a scientist. We have a, a guy who's an attorney for the assemblies, and this guy is off the charts brilliant. You know, he graduated from Harvard or somewhere, law school, and he was top of his class, and, you know, he reads books in, in you know, minutes rather than hours. <laughs> you know, and he reads them and he retains them, but his hobby is the stars. He says there's nothing so great as looking at the stars and seeing how that they all are in alignment and how perfect they are. 
And you, to hear this man talk is to hear like this brilliant scientist talking about the hand of God in the universe <laughs> and in this piece of dirt, <laughs> the trees. There's a wisdom. And here's why. God gives out wisdom free. <laughs> he is God is plain spoken in knowledge and understanding. That means that a little child, he can speak to them that they can have understanding about life. He is plain spoken in knowledge and understanding. He is a rich mind of common sense for those who live well. A personal bodyguard to the candid and the sincere. He, he speaks plainly to common folk, <laughs> to the, the guy or person who's never had an education. He, he, he speaks to their mind. And to the brilliant scientist, he speaks to their mind. <laughs> he is a bodyguard. He's a personal God who protects us. He protects our hearts and our minds. You know, it doesn't mean that we are not going to be tempted or tried or persecuted or killed for our faith. He's our personal bodyguard that secures us in a, in a, in a vault of his presence. And nothing can enter there because there's love in our heart and forgiveness in our eyes. And we're like Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. And he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This is God at work in me being able to say, I forgive you for hurting me. You see, it's wisdom. He keeps his eye on all who live honestly and pays special attention to his loyalty somewhere in there, committed ones. You see, Remember the, maybe you have a, remember the song, his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. You know, I live because I'm happy. That book, that song captures what this verse gives to us, that he keeps his eye on, on all who live honestly. He's our bodyguard. We live honestly before him. Our life is an open book, read of all men. But the idea is my life is an open book before God, and God, you have priority in my mind and in my heart and in my actions and my vocabulary and my words and my studies and where I'm going because this is part of the will and purpose of God that my mind be occupied by the grandeur of God. And I see his hand in everything around me and what I do. And his eye is on us. Now close with this little illustration. There's a, a plaque that reads, the eyes of God are upon you. <laughs> and some would read that, oh my gosh, God's watching me and he's marking off all the things I do wrong. <laughs> and the other guy says, no, he loves me so much, he can't take his eyes off of me. <laughs> Let's stand.
Never got to the smuck boots, swamp boots, muck boots. But the idea is you can't find, you can't find firm footing in the swamp. <laughs> we live in life, and some people live in the swamps. <laughs> the idea is we live sometimes, we live, we're like on the mountain with the mountain goats. There's no swamp up there. <laughs> just God and us and these high cliffs that we just feel comfortable in. And if we wander down to where the, to where the water is, we don't go to where the muck is in the swamp. We go to where Christ is leading us. <sighs> you know, Mother Teresa, um, she was a teacher. And she, and, and she taught in a classroom that overlooked the streets. And she would see on the streets all these destitute people living and dying. And she, and she said God had called her to go from the classroom to the streets to take Christ to those who were in need. And so she, she had a firm footing when she walked into the swamp of people and mire and the place where people lived. So no matter where you live, you're on firm footing with Christ. Jesus, we thank you for hearing our prayers, knowing our needs, and Lord, revealing your word and your truth to our hearts and minds. Give us that wisdom and understanding, that insight that only you can give us to our life and to our surroundings and to our experiences. We're always safe in your presence. Make that real to us as we live for you each moment of each day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.